Well, what's a New Year's resolution? Well, someone asked, uh, replied cynically, something that goes in one year and out the other. <laughs> and I have to admit, I'm not very good at New Year's resolutions, and that was reflected in uh, some of those participating in the service today. I often have full intention to keep those resolutions, but they fizzle out like the New Year's Eve fireworks. And when I break my resolutions, then I think it's easy to say, well, why bother? It's tempting to resolve not to make any more resolutions. Well, instead of doing that this year, I want to encourage you not to make your resolutions on your own, but to do make resolutions not in your own strength, but make them with the Lord your God. You see, we often tell our Heavenly Father what our resolutions are, and we ask him to help us to keep them. But without asking our maker to be involved in the process, perhaps we need to stop telling God what to do. Uh, bad habits are like a, a soft bed, easy to get into, but hard to get out of. What we need to do is to nurture good habits, Jesus-inspired habits. And today's covenant service follows the tradition whereby John Wesley strongly urged Methodists to renew their covenant with God. That's to make a binding promise with our maker. It's not done alone, and we do it with others. We remember God's words that Irving read from Jeremiah, I will put their law, my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Essentially, this service is about being in a right relationship with our Creator. It's about abiding in Him and abiding in His will, allowing Him to bear fruit through us. Soon we'll be praying one of the most moving and challenging prayers ever prayed. And it talks about being put Two, put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, and so on. If we're not careful, we can come to this service with our minds full of the things that we want to do, our plans, when we should be thinking what we should be doing with God. I believe the real point of this covenant service is that we are actively to do or patiently accept whatever God's will is for us in this new year. For only the Lord can see us through the challenges. Elizabeth Elliot was a missionary and her husband Jim Elliot was killed in 1956 whilst attempting to contact Orca of eastern uh, Ecuador. And he spent two years, or she spent two years as a ministry later on, going to the tribes of those who killed her husband. And Elizabeth wrote these words, God has never promised to resolve our problems. He has not promised to answer our questions. He has promised to go with us. You see, we're not alone. God is with us. You may be feeling isolated at the moment, but him being with us makes all the difference. 
And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote, in all things we can be more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Reflecting on the past can be disturbing. The world isn't as we'd like it to be or how it should be. Bad news and evil pushes goodness into the background. And last year wasn't a good one. It was dominated by a pandemic and all its implications. Is there any hope for the future, we can ask ourselves? Well, the Bible makes it clear that there is hope for the future by God's grace and through faith. I've recently been reading a book by Max Licardo, and it's really helpful. It's called You'll Get Through This. And Licardo begins by reminding us of an Old Testament story. Joseph, the 11th of 12 sons of a wealthy nomad called Jacob. And Joseph was much loved by his dad, and he was pampered too. He was even given that special coat of many colours. You know the story. This favouritism didn't go down well with his siblings, especially as Joseph had also told them about dreams that he'd had, which also didn't go down very well. The brothers envied him, and they hated him. And when the opportunity arose, they took him and cast him into a pit, abandoning him, and there was no way out. And Max Licardo, in his book, says, Where is our pit today? Joseph's pit was a dry cistern. Ours will be very different. It could be a place or a situation that entraps us. It could be, Max Licardo says, a diagnosis or unemployment, a divorce. It could be a pandemic and so on. But one thing's for sure. There's no easy escape. And Joseph's situation gets much worse before it gets better. Licardo cites enslavement, entrapment, and imprisonment. Yet despite the seeming hopelessness of it all, despite Joseph being sold into slavery by his jealous brothers, despite them faking his death, Joseph never gives up. He never lets bitterness overwhelm him. He never lets the anger within him turn to hatred. He never becomes hard-hearted. Licardo says Joseph not only survived, but he thrived. When we're in a pit, I wonder how we respond to it. In time, next to Pharaoh, Joseph eventually became the second most powerful person in Egypt. Well, that might not happen for us, but I do believe that God can lead us through tough times. And I encourage you to read that story of Joseph and to pick up Max Licardo's book if you can and read that. The story is there in Genesis 37, verse 50. Uh, Genesis 37, 2, chapter 50. Some 20 years later, the roles were reversed for Joseph and his siblings. The brothers feared Joseph would take revenge on them, but he didn't. The words in Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph says, You intended harm for me, 
but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You intended harm for me, but God intended it for good. Evil was intended by the brothers, but God somehow brings out of that something very different. Licardo points out that word in the reading intended is actually from the word to weave or to plait. You wove evil, but God rewove it for good. Satan weaves, but God reweaves. On our own, we often respond to trials as we think best or as we think is just. But our ways are not God's ways. It's God who can reweave the situation. I love that illustration. It's often a long haul as well. It doesn't come in an instant, but then again, time and time again, we see that in the Bible. Now, if we go back to St. Paul, he didn't lose hope in his day either. He knew the world could be saved, that love could triumph despite the evil around. Jesus' death and resurrection can keep hope alive. Hence, in his letter to the Romans, chapters 12 to 15, St. Paul considers what righteousness is, a right relationship with God. What does it look like? How should Christians be living every day? And in verses 6 to 8 of Romans 12, Paul was highlighting some spiritual gifts that are given to some for the good of the whole Christian community. But then in the reading that Judith brought us, he goes on to talk about those things that should characterize every Christian. The first of these, of course, is unhypocritical love. Perfect love. And then the remainder of the chapter spells out what this might mean in practical terms, including Romans 12, verse 12, which is our church Bible verse for 2021. I'm going to put it on the screen so you can actually see those words. And I'd like you to say the words in bold with me. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Persist in prayer. If we want to get through these challenging times, if we want to make our way out of the pit that this world is in, I believe these are the holy habits that we need to be nurturing together. The literal translation preserves the order of the verbs. In hope, rejoicing. In affliction, patient. In prayer, persevering. Remember, Paul was possibly writing these words conscious of the persecution that the early Christians were going to face. He was reminding them of their hope, the hope of glory that could be assured. They could hold on to it and they could even rejoice in that hope. And nurturing this habit of being cheerfully expectant because of the promises of God, would help them then when they faced affliction. Because then they could be patient. 
And the early Christians we see time and time again didn't quit, not even when they faced suffering and persecution. In fact, this habit became a mark of their virtue, their patience in the face of suffering. It was that resilience that kept them strong in their relationship with the Lord, in prayer, persevering. You see, not only were they patient, but they also fell to their knees and they prayed constantly and didn't stop, no matter who or what came against them. And as they prayed all the harder, their faith was strengthened. And that took them back to their hope, the cause of their rejoicing. And so it goes on. And those three things in our motto actually support one another. And my prayer for us today in this new year is that we don't rush into making resolutions, but with God, we find out how we can face the deepest challenges in life, how we can not give up, but face those challenges head on, allowing the Lord to see us through, allowing him to reweave the situation for good. If we take Romans 12, 12 to heart, it'll not only sustain us, but it will help us to become perfected in love. It will enable us to be Christ's servants of this age, <coughs> radical, generous, hospitable, risk-taking disciples who seek nothing else but sharing in God's mission and ushering in the kingdom of heaven.